Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. It is SNY.TV's The Juice on the Cuse podcast, covering Syracuse basketball, lacrosse, and football. Today on The Juice on the Cuse podcast on SNY.TV, we'll be talking about the start of the Syracuse basketball season and Syracuse basketball's class of 2022. I'm Wes Chang, and I'll be joined later by Jim Stickschulte, and our guest is our great friend from the New York Times, Forbes, NJ.com, and ZagsBlog.com, Adam Zagoria. Adam, thanks for coming back on the podcast. How are you today? Doing great, Wes. How you doing, buddy? Doing well, Adam. Always great to chat. And I want to get you started on this one. Syracuse basketball has five commitments in their 2022 class. Kadir Copeland, Justin Taylor, Chris Bunch, Malik Brown, and Peter Carey. I know you've seen many of them play. You've spoken to them and their coaches. What do you think of the class overall? Yeah, you know, I was actually just watching some film on these guys, Wes, and I'm very high on this class. I know Jim Beheim has said, this is, you know, maybe his best class ever, most complete class. And, you know, I, I think I agree with him. I mean, you know, it's like you said, there's no there's no Carmelo Anthony in it and there's no, you know, one superstar. But you're bringing in five guys at five different positions. They're all long, athletic. You know, they move. They can do a variety of things. They, they fill a bunch of different roles. Uh, they seem perfect for the zone. So, um, you know, I, I think he's hit a home run with this class. Adam, I know you mentioned there are no five-star Carmelo Anthony kind of guys in this class. They're all rated three or four stars. But do you see any of them developing into NBA prospects? Well, one thing I wanted to say is I did talk today to Chad Myers, who's the IMG Academy postgraduate coach. So he's coaching both um, Claudia Copeland and, and Justin Taylor this year. And, you know, we talked about both of those guys. And I think it's, first of all, a, a big advantage for them and for Syracuse and Coach Beheim and the staff that these guys are going to be playing together this year at IMG. You know, Copeland's going to be the starting point guard on the post-grad team, and Justin will be the starting two. I think they can both kind of play, you know, multiple positions. Copeland is a, you know, big physical attacking uh, guard, you know, six six five six six. Uh, really likes to attack the basket and get to the rim, you know, playmaking guard. And, um, you know, Justin's more of like a, you know, come off screens, come off pin downs, you know, can shoot it pretty well, has good shooting form, you know, maybe a little bit more uh, physical, stronger Buddy Beheim type, you know, although we, we don't know if he's going to shoot it like Buddy does. But so I think that's a really big advantage. You're getting two guys that have played together this year, um, and then all the other three guys, you know, Chris Bunch is, is like kind of a Swiss Army knife of a of a player, can play multiple positions, six eight, has point guard skills, can you know, break down a defense and, and score at all three levels, can shoot the three ball. And then the two big guys both look you know, like they have some skill. Uh Peter Carey and Malik Brown both, you know, get up and down the court, you know, have some moves around the basket, can finish above the rim. So, uh, again, I just think it's a really diverse class. You know, I guess 
Copeland maybe has, has some pro potential. Anytime you're a six five, six six point guard, you know, that's perfect for, for today's pro game. Adam, let's move off recruiting for a moment and onto the actual rosters. The Syracuse basketball season starts on Tuesday. I'd love to get your take on this year's team. Yeah, I just was looking at the um, Sports Illustrated, I guess, ranked all the teams in Division One. I. I think they have Syracuse at like 49 out of 350 teams or whatever. So, you know, I guess that seems about right. They were picked seventh in the 15-team um, ACC. That seems about right, kind of the middle of the pack kind of team. You know, I think they're going to score. You know, when you have Buddy and Joe Girard, you're going to score. I think the question is going to be on the defensive end. You know, they obviously lost. Kadari Richmond, who transferred to Seton Hall, um, and, and I think there's some questions about who, you know, how much Buddy and, and Joe can guard uh, some opposing, you know, guards and wings. Um, but I, you know, I read the quotes from Coach Beheim from Media Day. I think he's he's high on his, his big guys have all, you know, taken a step forward. Um, you know, John Bull, Frank Anselm, Jesse. I think all those guys have. You know, probably gotten you know a little bigger, stronger, more physical. Um, you got Benny Williams there, so you know I think there'll be a, a solid sort of middle of the pack ACC team. And you know, in that league, if you finish top six or seven, you, you know you should have a chance to make the NCAA tournament. Adam, you've mentioned Buddy Beheim a lot. He's emerged as a potential NBA prospect last year. Do you see him as a guy who can play at the next level? Yeah, I mean, I think the way today's NBA is played, obviously, you know, you want to be able to space the floor and shoot the basketball and shoot from deep. And there's definitely, uh, you know, you look at a guy like Joe Harris right, from Virginia. And now just recently this week became the Nets all-time leading three-point scorer passing Jason Kidd. You know, and he, he can do a variety of things. He can he can play make. He could, you know, run the point if you need it. But really he's a, he's a spot-up shooter. And, uh, you know, if, if he can do that, you would think that, um, you know, Buddy maybe – not quite as athletic as Joe Harris, I guess, but, you know, he can shoot it. And that's a, that's a skill that's valued in the NBA. So, you know, I think he'll get, he'll get into some, you know, some team will put him on a two-way contract or put him in training camp, G League, and then he'll have to, you know, prove that he can um, defend and guard and, and consistently score in, in the minutes that he's in. Adam, another guy you brought up earlier is Kadari Richmond. He probably is not a guy Syracuse fans want to hear a lot about right now, but it seems like he's in for a monster year at Seton Hall. Yeah, well, I attended a Seton Hall practice last week, and I also talked to an NBA scout who was there this week, and the scout, you know, really was raving about Kadari, saying, you know, he thinks he's going to really help Seton Hall this year. Uh, he's going to, you know, make their engine go, and says he thinks he's got NBA potential. You know, Kadari's like 6'6". Kevin Willard says he's almost 6'7". So, you know, just for, in terms of helping Seton Hall, it's going to be a huge addition for their backcourt. You know, they bring in him and Jameer Harris, who's a, a sharpshooter, three-shooter from American University who transferred in, who's from New Jersey. They got Bryce Aiken coming back, so and Miles Kale and Jared Roden. So they really have a lot of guards and wings in, in their uh, backcourt, I'm looking forward to covering Seton Hall and watching them play this year. You know, as far as Syracuse, Kadari basically said that, um, you know, he played, obviously played last year 21 minutes a game, but that, you know, wanted a bigger role, and he saw that at Seton Hall. Obviously, Coach Beheim, you know, 
made some comments and he didn't think, you know, he, Jim says he was being honest and he thinks Kadari didn't work as hard as he could have and, you know, was injured and all that sort of thing. And, you know, Jim's, Jim knows his players and, and he's being honest about it. But, uh, you know, I think, I think Kadari will have, will have some motivation probably from the comments. And Adam, we'll get you out of here on this one. You've covered college basketball, and you've been around Syracuse and Jim Beheim for a long time now. He doesn't seem like he's hanging up anytime soon. He'll probably go for, I don't know, another 10 years. So when do you think he'll step away? Well, I mean, 10, 10 years would put him at, you know, almost 90 years old. Right? He's, I think he's going to be 77. He, I talked to him earlier this year. He told me, I said, could you see yourself coaching until you're 80? And he said, yes. Um, and I know, you know, he's told all these, incoming class of 22 guys he's going to be there for them right so that's at least through the 22 23 season and again going back to starting this conversation i think this is a really good class and you know if they come in and he really likes what he sees you know there's nothing to stop him from coaching them for two three four years i mean you know he he clearly bristles when he when you ask him about roy williams and coach k retiring and you know, he's going to do – he doesn't have a succession plan in place like, like Coach K or, or Roy did. Um, and he, he clearly wants to, to keep coaching. So, you know, as long as he can do it and he's, he's physically able to do it, I, you know, I don't think any of us should tell him he can't. Adam, thanks again for coming on the program. Again, Adam Zagoria from the New York Times, Forbes, NJ.com, and ZagsBlog.com. Adam, always appreciate the time. We love talking to you. Enjoy the start of the college basketball season. We'll speak with you soon. Thanks, Wes. Anytime, buddy. Take care. Really love getting Adam's take on basketball in the recruiting world. And I'm now joined over the phone by the Juice Online senior columnist, Jim Stickschulte. Jim, how are you today? I'm doing well, Wes. How are you doing? Jim, doing well. Really looking forward to the start of the college basketball season. I know you are, too. Your in-depth preview is running on the Juice Online right now. There are certain key statistics you've uncovered that are going to make or break this upcoming season. Tell us more about what you found. Well, Wes, uh, I did some deep dives after the end of the last season to uh, look and see what really makes Syracuse a winning team since uh, they joined ACC play. So uh, eight seasons of research, uh, it's like 267 games or something like that. Um, and because it's just basically just trying to disprove or prove, actually, you know, some of the things we hear about as important, what's important, with, particularly with the 2-3 zone, you know, always focus on, you know, defensive rebounding because it's perpetually a problem and, and that sort of thing. And But what I really found is that uh, – as far as the defense goes, uh, it's not so much the rebounding, it's getting blocks and steals on defense. Um, and it does make sense because obviously, you know, if Syracuse blocks a shot or steals the ball, it not only takes away uh, a chance from the other team to score, it also gives Syracuse a chance to score quickly, get out and run in fast break points. Uh, and actually the reason why I looked at that is because there was a sharp increase in fast break points for uh, the basketball program over the last two seasons. It's been between 12, uh, averaging between 12 and 14 a game over the last two years. And before that, I don't think they'd even cracked nine points a game. So, but blocks and steals uh, are key uh, for winning games when they combine to get 15 or more blocks or steals in those eight seasons. The Orange are 66 and 10, which is just under an 87% win percentage. Um, the other thing, is that they need to make threes and then defend three-pointers well, which now this, particularly the defending the three-point uh, line well, that's something we absolutely do hear about in the zone. Uh, you know, one of the things they talk about the 2-3 is designed to do is to force three-pointers by other teams, uh, not just a, a quantity of them, but bad three-pointers where they're rushed or defended well or a step or two behind the line or late in the shot clock, you know, things like that. Um, 
the Orange have actually made 33.8% on threes the last eight seasons and given up 32.5% on threes uh, in that time. Uh, having witnessed the Lemoyne game last night and seen the box score from the Pace game, it seems like making the 33.8% on threes is probably going to be a pretty low uh, low barrier for the team this year. They look remarkable in the half court. Obviously, the level of competition between Pace and Lemoyne is not there, but just seeing how open these guys are able to get their teammates by the threat of being a shooter is pretty impressive. And Cole Swider has just been lights out. He's 10 of 15 in two exhibition games from beyond the arc, which is, I believe the word is probably preposterous. Uh, so I feel that the offense making the 30, basically 34% of threes, that's going to be a, that's an easy, easy target for them to make, I think. Um, the other side of that coin, though, is giving up 32.5% on threes over those eight years. The thing I noticed is that the winning percentage really takes a step up when they hold their opponents to under 30% from three, which is really, you know, a half a three or a full three a game that misses instead of goings in. Uh, when they've held opponents to under 30% from long range in the last in, the, in those last eight years, the Orange are 84 and 23, which is a 70, 785 win percentage. And the thing is, when they make the, you know that 33%. 33.8% on threes on, you know, an average offensive shooting night while holding their opponent to 30% or less from long range, 50 and four. It's just mind-blowing how, you know, shooting their own average or above and then playing a little bit better than average as far as taking away the three-pointer from opponents makes them virtually unbeatable over the last eight years. So I think those are the two big things I'm going to be paying attention to this year because it seems to be that, you know, they're two, they're really direct lines to Syracuse winning games. Jim, Adam touched on this earlier, but he brought up that Sports Illustrated has Syracuse 49th overall and 7th in the ACC in their preseason rankings. That would put them as a bubble team. Do you agree or disagree with that? I don't have a problem with them being ranked, uh, you know, in the, you know, in somebody's rank around the 40s going into the season. I think Ken Palm has them around 41 or something like that. You know, the same general range. And I'm fine with that. You know, we haven't seen them play anyone in a game that matters, especially with this amount of turnover. Swider's in the starting lineup, Jimmy Beheim's in the starting lineup, and then Samir Torrance and Benny Williams are two of the three guys who look like they're going to come off the bench and play meaningful minutes at the beginning of the season. So that's a lot of question marks about this team. Oh, and actually also throwing in Frank Anselm as the third guy who's going to come off the bench who has, I think, 21 minutes of play or something like that in his SU career. So there's a lot of unknowns about the team, and that's fine. So you know, there's been teams in Syracuse history that weren't top 25 that ended up being some of their better teams. The 2003 championship team was unranked at the beginning of the season. The same thing about the 96 team that went to the Final Four. But as the team season went on, they both grew and gelled and got better. And I think one player in particular who's going to grow, metaphorically, I mean, not literally, because I don't know if you can grow much more, is the one who holds the key to this season. And that's Jesse Edwards, the center. Uh, not only is he going to be a contributor in blocks and steals by hopefully swatting a bunch of shots, um, but he's, his presence is actually going to key the perimeter defense around him on the 2-3 zone. If he's able to play well inside and kind of deter at the rim and take away the free throw line with his length and athleticism, he's going to be a force on defense, and he's going to enable the other four guys around him to play much more aggressively on defense, whether that's jumping into a passing lane or stepping out on a three-point shooter or making those traps in the short corner or on the wing, things that have kind of been missing the last couple of years from that 2-3 zone. And the other thing he'll be able to do is allow those outside defenders to close out better and play more aggressively out on the perimeter, 
and make those three-point shots for opponents even more difficult. So I think Edwards is kind of the key to this team. I mean, we kind of know what to expect from players like Buddy Beheim and Joe Girard because we've seen them already. And from what we've seen from Cole Swider and what he's done, what's on his resume from when he was at Louisville, sorry, Villanova, where's Louisville coming from? Uh, and then, uh, and then you know, what we expect to come from Jimmy Beheim. I think we kind of know what those four guys, or at least we have a pretty good idea of what those four guys are going to bring to the table. But Edwards is the one player who can really, he can take the top off, literally, the expectations for this season. So I think when you get down to it, I think being rated in, you know, a 40 to 45 range before the season, it's fine. It doesn't really mean anything. But I think as the season goes along and Edwards grows as a player and helps this team become a more cohesive unit, particularly on the defensive end, I think they're going to be much more than a bubble team. I think they're going to be an actual, you know, we'll know that they're an NCAA tournament team at some point. And I think actually that they can actually creep into the top five in the ACC. And Jim, we are right at the end of our show. Your closing thoughts. Well, I'd like to go with a change up uh, from basketball and talk a little about the Syracuse football team. Uh, they're on their bye this week, but they do have three games left, Louisville, North Carolina State, and Pittsburgh. And this is where I, Louisville came from because I wanted to talk about them, specifically in how this game is much more important for Syracuse to win than the NC State and Pittsburgh games. Uh, Louisville's reeling right now. They're four and four. They've already had their bye. They, you know, and they've lost three out of four, three out of four games, beating only BC, who Syracuse just put away this past weekend. And so Louisville's struggling a little bit and having some problems. And they play Clemson this week while Syracuse is off. So a tired Louisville team that's maybe struggling, especially if they lose to Clemson, then seems like a lot easier picking than NC State or Pittsburgh, who are both six and two and in. Uh, the top two spots of their divisions in the standings. NC State has an outside chance of uh, winning the Atlantic Division, especially with the matchup against Wake next weekend. And Pitt is trying to hang on to the top spot in the Coastal Division. So both those teams have a lot to play for late in the season. Louisville, especially if they lose to Clemson this week, maybe not so much. And so I think it would behoove the Syracuse Orange to take care of business next weekend and clinch that bowl berth with that sixth win ahead of time. Jim, my closing thoughts are on the Syracuse cross-country teams. Both the men and the women's teams are ranked in the top 25 according to the latest U.S. track and field rankings. The men went from unranked to 22nd. The women are holding steady at 17 after their ACC championship performances. Both teams head to the NCAA Northeast Regional next Friday. So best of luck to both teams, and congratulations to both on being inside the top 25. That's it for us for Jim Sikshulte. This is Wes Chang reminding you that another term for balloon is bad breath holder. You've been listening to the Juice on the Cues podcast on SNY.TV, and we'll see you next time. This has been the Juice on the Cues podcast, part of the SNY.TV audio network. Looking for a fun way to win 25 times your money this football and basketball season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of stats, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and injury insurance on your picks are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million players who have already signed up. Right now, 
Price Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepix.com slash play100 and use code play100. That's code play100 at prizepix.com slash play100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Price Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.